I would say don't be afraid to reach out, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Some people might ignore you. That's okay. But some people might say yes. And imagine if you could get someone to say yes to a coffee chat. And now you have them alone in a room and just make sure that you make the best use of that time. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around, and the work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm super pumped because our guest is someone that I've followed for a while. She's an incredible marketer and an incredible content marketer. So Erin Balsa, who's the founder, and we'll get into this, she's the founder of Erin Balsa Content Marketing. She's a must-follow on social. She has like so many tremendous things going on. Erin, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm excited to chat. Awesome. So before we dive in, I want to kind of share some of your previous experiences with our audience and how you got to where you are today. So you first started out as a long-term substitute teacher, got the chance to work in a variety of different roles within education and the nonprofit sector. What initially led you to pursue content writing and marketing in the first place? Oddly enough, I went to business school to study marketing a long, long time ago. And unfortunately, the way the education system is set up in America, I went for a year and a half to college and never took a single marketing class. So I was taking advanced math and macroeconomics and microeconomics and all of these things that I really didn't enjoy. And as I watched you know, my private school $50,000 a year add up, I thought, what the hell am I doing? So I panicked. I didn't want to pay back those loans. I wasn't even learning about marketing. So I transferred to a state school that was cheap, moved back in with my parents and got a teaching license. So that's kind of how that whole thing happened. When I was 30, I was still working in education and I started a blog. I always loved to write and I started a blog. I come home from my nine to five, write for a few hours every night on my like desktop computer. And after a few months of doing that, there was an advertisement in my favorite city magazine, Providence Monthly, and it was looking for an assistant editor. And I thought, that's the coolest job I've ever heard of. You get to eat and drink and shop and tell people about it. So I sent the executive editor a link to my personal blog, and that's how I got my foot in the door as a writer and editor about 10 years ago. And then it was only a few years later that I found my way into marketing, also kind of by accident. That's, that's so awesome to hear, though, because I feel like, I mean, I'm, I was, I'm not a writer, but like I came up as like, you know, into sports and like I never expected to get into marketing and like now I wouldn't change it for the world. And so, you know, you have such an interesting background. And so after working as an editor for several years, you were able to get your first break into marketing during your time at the Predictive Index as a content marketing manager. Like what? What made you decide to go after a marketing role after years of experience as an editor? 
I actually got my first marketing job about three and a half years before the predictive index. So I was doing just editorial. So magazines, lifestyle, writing for, you know, like Boston magazine, a lot of local city, city magazines was really what I was doing for the first three or so years. My husband got a job in Boston. So we decided to leave Providence, sell the house. And I thought, let me see what kind of jobs are available in Boston. And of course, there's a bigger market. And I found this job as uh, a manager of a team of content writers at a content marketing agency. I didn't quite know exactly what content marketing was, but I said, I can write, I can edit, and I've managed employees for several years in my former life. And they actually gave me a chance. And the reason why is in the past, they had promoted writers, so high-performing writers, into manager roles. And it was really difficult for these people with no manager training or experience to start managing their peers and their friends who they were going out drinking with every night. That's very difficult for anyone. So they wanted to try something new, someone who was an external hire, someone a little older, someone with a baby at home that wasn't going to go out drinking with the employees every night. And it worked out great. And I actually fell in love with content marketing. Really great fit for me because there's some structure as opposed to sitting home and trying to you know, I remember when I was living in Portugal, I tried to write a fiction novel just for fun. I had enough time. I couldn't freaking do it because I just kept, you know, the possibilities were too vast and endless. And I am someone who needs a little bit of structure. So content marketing provided just enough structure. And, you know, what they say structure frees creativity. And that's definitely true for me. Love that. So like looking back now, how fulfilling did you find it working for companies that you worked at for like, like, was it more was it better or more fulfilling working for the companies that you did or working for yourself today? So I've only been self-employed for about four or five weeks. So I'm still super new. I've had my business on the side for a long time. I've been freelancing for about nine years, freelancing for content marketing companies for about seven, six and a half, seven years. But it's been on and off. You know, there's been different phases where I've, you know, had a second kid and you know, I was a general contractor on a house remodel. And so there's some times where I was doing much less. And then some times where I was doing a lot. So I've been self-employed for a long time, in a sense, but on top of a full-time job. So I had a security blanket. And I finally ripped off the security blanket four weeks ago. And to be completely honest with you, it doesn't feel any different. For some reason, I had this expectation that once I leave my full-time job, I'm not going to be working nights and weekends, but I still am. I haven't quite figured out my systems and processes yet. So I'm in the middle of actively working to figure that out because the whole point of going out on my own is to have a lifestyle that I want to have. And of course the income, but you know, I want that lifestyle. I want to be able to work 40 hours and shut off at 530 and not have to say no to a weekend trip to visit a friend because I, I know I have to hit a deadline. So I'm working toward that. It's, nice. It takes time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so, so early. Like knowing your personality, like you'll be there in, in no time. And so, you know, during the time that you worked for these organizations, you, you just talked about, you know, you were also working up and doing your own content thing on the side and building your own brand. And so throughout the years, you were able to successfully grow your own business to the point where you're able to focus on it full time, which is amazing. Like that's like the dream. Honestly, it's what I've been thinking about more and more lately. But like, when did you first decide that you wanted to start your own 
personal brand? Like when was that important for Erin? It was never really a conscious thing for me, to be honest with you. During the pandemic, I was very isolated. I'm not a huge extrovert by any means, but I'm definitely more extroverted than introverted. And I felt very isolated, stuck in my house in the suburbs with my husband and my kids, not able to see my friends, not able to to kind of live my life. And it was kind of the best thing that could have ever happened in terms of my own professional growth, because I took all that time where I would have been out and doing things, and I just poured it into building relationships on LinkedIn. And I never thought about it like I need to build a brand. I thought, I'm just going to start putting my thoughts out there and try to get people to know who I am, try to build relationships. And it just kind of took off faster than I expected, to be honest, which is amazing. And then I started to really learn about the whole building a personal brand concept. And I'm like, wow, why didn't I do this like 10 years ago? It's amazing. It's, I, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I feel like the, the pandemic and a lot have people started have posting more and more. And like, I was the same, like I started in March of 2020. And so like, where I feel like we're on like similar kind of like paths within that. But I feel like, you know, when you were first building out your own personal brand, like what challenges or obstacles did you face at the very beginning? Because I feel like that's something that I get asked a lot is like, I can't figure it out. Like, I don't know where to begin. Like, did you have challenges starting out? Yeah, I mean... I'm lucky that I've been a writer for a decade now, and I've written for national publications like Parents Magazine, where you post something and you just get all the trolls and the keyboard warriors. So I have pretty thick skin. Not a lot actually like hurts my feelings or gets me down. So that's amazing. And I was already used to putting my own personal thoughts out there as a former personal blogger. That's how I got my start was just writing about my life and my feelings and things like that. So I was ahead of a lot of people that are just scared to be seen. And that's scary. That wasn't a concern for me. For me, it was more like, is anyone going to care? Because I'm not just telling stories about my, you know, my personal life, like I used to when I blogged, or even when I write for some of these, you know, national magazines, it's editorial essays, stories. That's not LinkedIn. So I was just more giving business tips and advice and I said, I wonder if anyone's going to care. That was kind of my biggest concern. Was it? Was I just going to be wasting my time and not building the relationships that I was hoping to? And I don't know. I don't really think I had any problems or big hiccups. I'd say like the biggest hiccup was just the consistency and knowing that I needed to be consistent. And on the days when I was exhausted and my kids woke me up at night and I had worked, you know, 60-hour weeks for months on end. I had to keep going. And during the pandemic, you know, daycare was shut down. Mm-hmm. I had a, a four-year-old, a three-year-old and a five-year-old at home with no daycare. My parents couldn't come near us, so they couldn't come help. And I was still working a ton. And I had to keep posting on LinkedIn no matter what, because I knew I was going to lose the momentum if I didn't just stick in there. So that was probably the biggest challenge was finding the energy and motivation to be consistent. Yeah, I love that for sure. And like, how did you like, how do you set yourself or how did you set yourself apart from kind of other people that were building their brands, but offered like similar types of services as far as content marketing? Because I feel like that's something where you build such strong and authentic relationships. 
And there's, you know, yeah, there's tons of content marketers out there, but like, how do you set yourself apart from the personal branding aspect? As you can probably see, I, I like kind of weird art. Mm-hmm. I have tattoos everywhere. I always wear really bright lipstick. And I just try to be myself and not be afraid to be seen as unprofessional. I'm like, I'm a freaking like head of content. I'm a marketing director. I've been managing people for 10 years. Like I'm a professional. It's okay to look like me. It's okay to talk like me. It's okay to be a little sassy and edgy and have an attitude. So I just tried to be myself, but not in a mean way because I'm not a mean human. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So also to show the side of me that is caring and a friend. So trying to exude that in my content and not just my content, but my comments. And that was really important to me. I started a little bit after you. It was really important to me to interact with every single person who left a comment. And even if I didn't really have anything to say, because their comment didn't really speak to me, I still wanted them to know that I cared and I'd leave them an emoji or just something like that to kind of like show them I appreciate them. So that was, I think, one thing that could have helped because we all know how it feels when you comment on someone's post 10 times and they never even like your comment. You're like, oh, I like you. You're awesome. And you don't even pay attention to me. It kind of sucks, right? I know that it gets more difficult when you have been at this for a while and your audience grows and you have successful posts. And I've had a couple posts where, you know, you might get like 300 comments and it's hard. And sometimes I say, oh, I'll feel so bad if I accidentally don't comment on three of those people. Like maybe I missed one. I don't want them to think that I don't care. So there's kind of like that internal struggle. That's just me being like an altruistic type person. Like I actually don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I know I'll have to get over that if I do continue to do this because it reaches a point where you just can't uh, comment back to everyone. And I, I just have to get over that. And hopefully people know that I'm not trying to be mean and that I do care. Yeah, it's you know it's it's so interesting because I'm I'm very very similar. Like I sometimes feel like it's not like a full time job, but like you know being active and like commenting back to people, replying to DMs, like it's 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 real work. And so, like I felt so bad because someone DM'd me like a couple weeks ago and was like, "Hey, thank you so much. Like your content's amazing. I'd love to have you on my podcast." And I could have swore I responded, but. Apparently I didn't. So they DM'd me again yesterday. And like, I was like, I felt super bad. I was like, I apologize. I was like, I try to like make sure to reply to every DM. I don't know how this like got through, but like, I'm very similar. So it's, I feel like that is like a differentiator because I've also not been blackballed by like larger people with audiences, but like I'll comment, 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 and never get any type of like interaction with them. It's like, yeah, like why waste my time at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that just, there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just, it, it might slow your authentic connections yep. I and mean, it might make it look like you care more about being famous than actually like making connections. And that's not the case for me. I know it's not the case for you. I, I really do want to have connections. Of course, I want it to grow my business. I mean, I'm a business owner. I'm not going to lie and pretend that that doesn't matter. I like getting inbound leads from the content I create, but I also like making friends. And I actually do feel like I've made some great, solid friendships. I mean, when I left my job at the Predictive Index a few weeks ago, one friend that I, I got to know, he physically mailed me a book. He's like, this is a book that I read when I was starting my consultancy 
I think you'll love it. Like, how amazing is that? I had other friends that, you know, hey, I want to hop on a call and let you know what I wish I knew when I started my business in the first few months. Like, learn from my, I've had people go out of their way to be helpful with wanting really nothing in return, which is freaking amazing. And that's all because of building relationships and not just building them in a short period of time. Maybe I worked with a consultant for, you know, a year. It's actually building a long-term relationship because you see each other all the time. And even if I leave a company, we still have that relationship because we're going to see each other all the time online. Yep. Yeah, totally agree with you for sure. So I want to talk about balancing work responsibilities. So at the time, you know, you were still working your corporate job. How did you balance your work responsibilities and building your personal brand at the same time? So I want to like you know, kind of digging a little bit deeper, but were you transparent at all with your company about how you were building your brand on the side or did you just kind of keep that to yourself? 100% transparent. Mm -hmm. I started doing it. I had some early success and I immediately came back to some of the executives at my team and said, I'm going to offer to train all of you on what I've learned because look what's happening. And so I had about I don't know, maybe six or seven people take me up on that initial training back in 2020. One of them, which is a VP, still posts five days a week to this day. Over time, I've done more of my trainings for different employees and partners of the Predictive Index. More and more people started getting interested, more and more. So I, I'd like to learn, could you train my team? You know, we're really trying to hire in this department. We need to totally revamp our our LinkedIn profiles so that when people do check us out, we have a better presence. Could you teach us how to do that? So I definitely think that I was able to be open and people really embraced that and wanted to learn and replicate. And I think that's the right mentality. And I think that to be honest with you, I knew I wanted to leave in the back of my head for a long time. And I think that I would have left a lot sooner if they hadn't been so flexible and so cool about it. And right before I did leave, I gave a pretty long notice, like a several month notice um, that I was leaving. So they were cool about that too. And I said, thank you to my CEO right before I left. I said to Z, I said, I just want to thank you for being so cool and building the kind of company where you supported me kind of out there building my brand, building my business and doing it on my own terms. You never tried to police me. You never tried to say you're being too sassy. He's like, you know, no, I totally believe that in business, you got to be yourself. And I think that's an attitude that every CEO should have. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And like, I'm just curious, like how much time were you dedicating to your own business every week or month when you first started out and you were still working your job there? I've been working 60 hours a week for longer than I can remember. I, you know, I wake up early sometimes before my kids get up even. There's been times where I've set the alarm for 4.30 because I need to get in a few hours to make a deadline. My kids will wake up, get them off to the school bus, come back, work my day job, hop on and off LinkedIn throughout the day in between meetings, you know, do some client work at night after I put the kids to bed. I've always been someone like I don't want to burn the candle at both ends forever. I don't believe in that. But I feel like if you're working with an end in sight, it's worth the hustle as long as you have, you know, a goal in mind. And my goal was to be able to leave my job and be able to replace or surpass my income because I didn't want to leave my job if I couldn't do that. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. And 
I think, you know, one of the questions that, that I get a lot, and I'm curious on like your thoughts on it is like people, a lot of people think that building a personal brand is for people that are entrepreneurs or self-employed individuals. But I think it's just as important for people that are working corporate jobs. And like, what's your thoughts on, because a lot of people that listen to this are younger in their career for, you know, in the B2B marketing world. So like, what would you recommend or give as advice for people that are looking to build their personal brand that still work a nine to five and may not have a side hustle right now? That's cool. Jobs are awesome. I think, honestly, most people should have a job. A job is security. A job is health insurance. A job is, I don't feel like working today. I'm going to take a sick day. Like when you're out on your own, you don't have that. Right. So I think that's a kind of a misconception that's on social media. Like everybody should quit their job and build a business. That's not definitely not true. Just want to say that. I think that, like I said, I wish I knew this 10 years ago because. I wasn't looking to leave the predictive index. If I was going to leave, I was going to leave to do my own thing. I got the best job offers and so many people reaching out and not just recruiters, actual CMOs and founders reaching out all the damn time to be like, come run marketing at my startup, come do this. And these were really great jobs with really good salaries and great people. And I mean, damn, if you could have that, and you could have the pick of the litter and companies would, you wouldn't have to really even interview. You just kind of talk. They already know you. Mm-hmm. How amazing would that be as a candidate to be able to negotiate your salary and you're the one dropping the anchor. It's not the other way around. So I would say it's absolutely a case for building your brand. And even if you love your company, like I, I loved working at the predictive index. I was super happy there. So the more that I build my brand, the more attention I'm getting from my company. It's a win-win. Imagine all the millions of views that I've gotten on my content over the last few years. I don't know how many of those people learned about the predictive index for the first time. So it really is a win-win for companies. And I would say if you're going to say, oh, my employee is going to get a better offer and leave. Well, if you really value them, match that offer, pay them better. Like create a better company culture, give them more flexibility. If they really are in demand, do what you got to do to keep them if you want to keep them and let them do their thing because it's really only going to benefit you. Yeah, completely agree with you. And it goes back to like that culture standpoint. And it's like, I'm fortunate that they also appreciate or support what I'm doing. And so it's finding those companies that that are like that. You know, so your, your primary focus through your work is to help B2B SaaS companies grow their revenues and hit their numbers. Like, how do you help provide your clients with the value when working with them to kind of meet their bottom line? Like what's important to you at the end of the day? So I'm reading a book called The Business of Expertise. And the way he frames it is your business exists, number one, to make money. Number two, to help your clients, you know, meet their needs. And then after all of that comes your own happiness. And that's definitely great. Money's important. Obviously, my client happiness is everything because I take that very seriously. But my happiness matters too, which is right right now I'm really trying to focus on how I can move different levers in my business so I can work 40 hours a week and not more than that. So the reason I'm saying that is because I'm trying to understand which of my offers are the most impactful for my clients and that I enjoy the most. And I'm trying to do less. So I'm trying to pare down my services menu. 
just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do it or I should say yes. Because you know what? Yes, I can I can manage that research report. Yes, I can do X, Y, and Z. I can maintain your content calendar. But is that really the best use of your budget? Is that really the most impact I'm going to be able to make? And I'm just trying to be really strategic and thinking through that so that at the end of the day, I'm adding value. I'm not just managing a content calendar. I am doing the things that really do drive revenue. And I'm happy because I'm not working 60 hours to do all those different things. So I would say that was a long-winded answer. But truthfully, it's just trying to find the things that are the most impactful. And for me, website copywriting, especially for those big, important pages, so writing homepage copy, writing product landing pages, working with clients that I'm really passionate about the industry. So whether that's you know, different types of HR, leadership, DEI, things that I'm really passionate about. Clients that really appreciate my natural, bold, edgy, fun voice. So clients that aren't afraid to do something different. And then big content. So that might be research reports. Those are big. Those make an impact. You know, a content strategy that's built around research reports and documentaries and all different kinds of big content that I've done and I've had a lot of success with and just trying to do more of that to make more of an impact. Love that. So, and I mean, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Cause like, I feel like, you know, you've had the opportunity to write for us some, some notable SaaS companies like HubSpot, G2, Intuit, just to name a few, but like, did they approach you or did you reach out to them to collaborate? And then do you feel like your personal brand or, or like the, you know, what you've built played into that at all? No. So when I got the chance to write for HubSpot and Drift and G2 and Intuit and all of those clients, I did not post on LinkedIn yet. I did not have a personal brand. So I had reached out to them. However, since posting on LinkedIn, a lot of the cool companies that I've got a chance to work with or who have reached out to me since, I have not reached out to any company with any... I haven't reached out to anyone since before... March of 2020 or whatever it was that I started posting on LinkedIn. That's, that's so, it's, it's such an amazing story because it's like, just think about that. Like all you did was just start to share with the world with like all these amazing things. Like everyone has a voice and like now, now look like you're getting inbounds and it's just, it's such like a beautiful thing to see because it's like, whether you like, I didn't go into LinkedIn to to think of having a side hustle. And it's fortunately ventured out where I've been able to do some really cool things as well. And it was all inbound, like people like, so like, do you like company, a few companies that I advise for, they were like, so do you like reach out to them? And I was like, no, honestly, everyone's just come, like come to me. And like, fortunately, if I was to lose my job today, um, I would certainly hope that I could like put something on LinkedIn and have a lot of other opportunities that that came. And it's just, I mean, you're, you're proof that like, like, look, like you consistently give back and give and give and give. And it's like, it's, it's rewarding you. And it's just, it's, it's really amazing to see personally. And I've always given back, but not publicly. So I've always, I shouldn't say always, for the last seven years since I got into content marketing, I joined writers groups. And as I started to learn, I shared tips. I answered questions from new writers. I have been hiring writers for 10 years. So a lot of people are interested in how can I get an editor's attention? I'm like, here's what you could do. So I've been sharing tips and advice in these Facebook groups for seven years now. I've only been doing it publicly for a little under two years. 
So mm-hmm. imagine if I had poured that energy and effort, I mean, I'm glad that I helped no matter what, but imagine if I had been doing that more at scale publicly for longer where, you know, where I would be. So it's, it's crazy. And so I know we're coming up on time. I have some, some additional questions for you. So now that you've been able to kind of transition from your corporate job into being fully self-employed, like, what are you, what are you planning to do not next? Like what, you know, do you see yourself working on any other projects or is it focusing solely on your own company? And then the second piece of that, would you ever see yourself going back to like the nine to five job in the future? Never say never. Uh, <laughs> I would put my foot in the mouth if I eventually did, but I don't think so. I'd say 99 0.99999% of me would say that I'll be self-employed forever, hopefully, God willing. And what do I see myself doing? That's such a great question. I've been spending a lot of time. I know I've only been full out self-employed for five weeks, but I've been listening to podcasts and talking to consultants and trying to interview different business coaches because I'm trying to figure that out. And I've already like hinted that I'm trying to refine my service menu and really find what offers are going to be the most impactful for my clients. So I'm working on that actively and I am hiring a business coach that I'll be working with very intensively to, to work on that in the near future. I love that. So, you know, I feel like a lot of the content that, that I see on LinkedIn and I'm curious on your thoughts, like, feel like everything, you know, we had polls and polls were a whole different story, but like now some people are deep into video, like take Chris Walker, like all he does is post videos like 98% of the time. Like, do you have a preference over text posts or like text with picture or like videos for like the content that you produce for LinkedIn? I do text posts because it comes naturally to me. I'm a writer. I've always been able to express myself better in words than in any other medium. And I'm more, more confident in my ability to express myself in writing. So I do text posts. That's not to say I don't have a major like FOMO of people that know how to do video. And you know, for three and a half years, I managed the video function at the Predictive Index. I, I get it. I just can't friggin' do it on my own. So that's why I'm so interested that you started TikTok because <clears throat> I started TikTok. I put out one post. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I put like a picture of my fireplace with Barry White and I thought it was funny and it got like two views. I'm like, oh, so I don't know. I would love to at some point experiment more, learn more about using video as part of my my business and my marketing. Because I think it's fun and I'm a fun person. I like to have fun. I like to experiment. It's just more of a matter of time. I don't really have the time to experiment today, but I do plan on experimenting down the road. I love that. It's, you know, honestly, that was like, I've been on TikTok for like a few days now and it's like, I, I still have no clue what I'm doing. Like, I just try to like, look at the, like, what funny, like songs and trends people do and then try to like do something or I repurpose it for like putting podcasts, like content on there and like different little clips. I don't know. I'm experimenting it and then trying to like, see what happens when you take that video and like put it on to LinkedIn. It seems like LinkedIn really like enjoys like TikTok videos weirdly now. So I don't know. It's I'm, 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 Yeah, I'm similar. Huh. So 
Well, you know, last, last, actually, I have two final questions for you. What is like one piece of advice that you would give to, you know, junior marketers that are looking to get started, like building their own brand? Like where, like if they say, I have, I have no clue where to start, what, what would you tell them? Wow, that's a great question. I would say don't be afraid to reach out, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Some people might ignore you. That's okay. But some people might say yes. And imagine if you could, you know, get someone to say yes to a coffee chat. And now you have them alone in a room and just make sure that you make the best use of that time. Come prepared with a list of questions so you're not just wasting their time. You know, thank them. Don't just be greedy. There's so many people who will ask, 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 take, take, take. And they just seem really unappreciative. And I think that whenever you do ask for someone's time, make the best use of their time, come prepared and be very grateful because they don't have to do that for you. But, you know, I think of some of the employees that I've managed over the years that are really memorable and that's exactly how they are. They're always like a sponge wanting to soak up knowledge, but they're not intrusive. They're very grateful and they're not afraid to ask. You know, one of my employees has kept in touch with me for the last four years and she just came over for dinner with her boyfriend like last week. You know, she just keeps in touch. And you know what? When it comes time for opportunities, who do you think the first one is that I'm funneling all these opportunities to? So don't be afraid to reach out, be humble, be prepared, and just build those relationships and maintain them. I love that. Amazing. And so my last question is, you know, where can people go to find you? I know LinkedIn is a piece of it, but like if people want to learn more about maybe working with you from like a content perspective or research report, like plug anything that you want to plug here. I want to give you the opportunity to showcase all the amazing talents that you have. Yeah. So I have a super sick one page website, erinbalsa.com. When I have more time and I'm not working 60 hours, I will build up my website, but you can go to LinkedIn. You can check out my one page website. It won't take you very long. You can search for my name. And if you click on YouTube, there'll be tons of other interviews. You can learn a lot about me. And I also have a course about building research reports But PI, it's something that we did about four times a year. And I came up with a project management template that I've refined over the years. So the template's available as well as a deep dive into my writing process. Amazing. Well, Erin, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure spending some time with you. Yeah, it's such a pleasure spending time with you too. And I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.